Slate Spoiler Specials are brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, here with the Slate Spoiler Special podcast on Brave, the new Pixar movie about a Scottish princess. And joining me from the Slate Washington, D.C. Bureau is Dan Coyce. Hey, Dan. Hi, Dana. You are now a senior editor at Slate. That's me. And as a result, we don't get to spoil as many movies as we used to because you're not running off to press screenings to review movies all the time. Right. I'm actually editing copy and working. You're actually doing doing useful work as opposed to the kind of garbage that I'm spewing. It's a real shame. I miss I miss the garbage. So, but anyway, I'm glad that you can come in and spoil Brave, and I hope we can we can get back on the spoiler train and start doing some. Um, and I'm going to throw Brave to you for a quick plot summary because you've seen it more recently than me. You just saw it last night, so so catch us up. Outside of the the, the mysterious trailer that shows a redheaded princess shooting arrows, I don't think most people really know what happens in the movie because Pixar has been very good at keeping it under wraps. Yeah, that's one fun thing about the movie is how much of the actual plot it was a complete surprise to me, which hardly ever happens anymore. Um, so, of course, needless to say, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Brave, I mean, I guess go, go ahead and keep listening, but we're going to spoil everything that happens. Yeah, I always figure that's implicit in the title, but yes, right, here we go. Right. Spoiler warning on the spoiler special. Turn it off right. if you don't want to hear what happens in Brave. So uh, Brave focuses on Merida, a Scottish princess. It's set in that sort of you know, Disney fantasy prince and princessy medieval-esque time. It's set in Scotland in the Highlands. Um, and uh, Merida is the daughter of Fergus, a king of a sort of loosely assembled group of clans. And uh, and her mom, Eleanor, is the queen. Um, we Fergus should mention, voice- too, there, who, who voices them. Kelly McDonald, right. Scottish actress, is Merida. Billy Connolly, the stand-up comedian, is her, her dad. And, uh, and Eleanor is Emma Thompson, whose voice I recognized immediately in love. She's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, the movie opens in this prologue when um, Merida is like four or five it's her birthday and she gets a bow from her father and her mother disapproves and uh, she's practicing her bow and then she's interrupted uh, by the uh, by an attack from a gigantic monstrous demon bear who uh, and we see her father launch into the fight against this bear and then it cuts to many years later when she's a teenager and the story of the fight against the bear is legend and her father lost his leg in that battle and the bear got and took an eye from the bear and the bear got away and his father her father lives to one day again fight that bear. But anyways, now we're in the in the main uh, crux of the story, and the idea is that is that Merida has been promised essentially to the son of one of the three clans that, along with her clan, make up this uh, this sort of small monarchy in, in medieval Scotland. And um, and so she, of course, bucks against this, and that's what will be familiar to people from the trailer. She's not interested in marrying any of these louts from the other clans, and. Um, in the midst of a, an archery competition to win her hand, um, she un- reveals herself, and she, of course, is a master archer, and she bests the three boys who had been competing for her hand and shouts that she will determine her own fate. And her mother, of course, is very upset. Um, she runs away, and this is where the movie takes a turn that I think no one will know what what was uh, – what is ha- what was going to happen because this is this part has been kept totally under wraps. She um, heads out into the woods and finds a witch, and she begs the witch, or not really begs, but buys from the witch um, a spell that will change her fate. She wants to change her mother, who is the one who's been pushing her into marriage and ladyhood and all the things that she despises. She wants to change her mother and change her fate, and the witch gives her a cake which she tells her her mother needs to eat and it will change her. And Merida brings the cake back to the castle and um, feeds it to her mother and her mother transforms 
a few minutes later into a gigantic bear, and one not unlike the demon bear who attacked at the beginning of the movie. With the exception that this is a bear with her mother's mind and spirit presumably inside. So there's some I, – I, I like some of the business at the beginning of the mother's bear transformation where she's sort of a ladylike she-bear who's trying to do right. everything in, in a dainty queen-like fashion before she discovers that she, in fact, has been transformed into this gigantic beast. Right. And so the, the main plot of the movie is how can Merida change her mother back? How can they repair that relationship? Because that is, of course, what needs to happen for for her mother to be changed back. And also um, and how, how can she hide the, the bear from her father who has sworn to destroy all bears? Bears on site. Right, right. And so, and of course, when Fergus finds out about uh, that there's a bear in the castle or a bear menacing, he believes his daughter, uh, you know, uh, he goes on the attack. And so that's sort of the basic plot summary. And we'll get to how it concludes a little bit later. But um, but that is at least the setup for what is happening in this movie. So I'm very curious about this. I want to start off with this question. You tweeted last night coming out of the screening that you didn't love Brave, although you liked it, but you did love the Miyazaki movie that was hidden, the five-minute Miyazaki movie that was hidden in the center of Brave. And I was racking my brain trying to figure out what you mean. I agree that there are very Miyazaki-like elements just to the transformation of the mother into a bear and the mysterious forest and the way it's animated and these little will-o'-the-wisps that we haven't mentioned, these sort of little ghostly, they're sort of like little octopuses made of light or jellyfishes or something that, that help guide Merida through the forest to find to find the witch and later to find a way to transform her mother back. Um, so all of that is sort of mysterious, but I don't get what the nugget of the five-minute Miyazaki movie is, so you have to tell me. Um, it starts with the Will of the Wisps, which I thought were really Miyazakian. They're little forest sprites, basically, um, that have almost humanish form and almost humanish voices. You can sort of hear their voices way back in the distance of the soundtrack. And, and the sound glow- is really well done on the Will of the yeah. Wisps because they're not. It's not a cute sound. It's 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 not scary exactly, but there's something sort of earthy. Yeah, that's that's very Miyazaki. They sound sort right. of like little earth, earthy creatures. Right. They're like spirits of the forest. It seems like as much as they're anything else, and they lead. Uh, they lead Merida to a little um, cabin in the woods, not to be confused with cabin in the woods. And um, and in there is a witch who I thought was the most Miyazakian character I've ever seen in a non-Miyazaki movie. First of all, she looks ex- basically exactly like um, uh, uh, Yobuba. Her, uh, what's her name? Oh, Yubaba. Sorry, Yobuba. They, she looks exactly <laughs> Yo mama. Yo mama. Um, she looks exactly like Yubaba in Spirited Away. She's got the same eyes, the same nose. She's shaped the same way. She's just as sort of mysterious and, but also sort of wacky as those witches in Spirited Away, but also in several other um, Miyazaki movies. And her, and I know that you know the notion of a witch who has a, a sort of second agenda or a mischievous agenda is not unique to Miyazaki, but the just. The way she brewed up that spell and the interaction between her and her house, which changes multiple times over the course of of uh, of their interaction, and the way she brews that spell and the look of her as she's formed in the smoke, everything about that cabin and the interaction with the witch and those will of the wisps seems to me to be pulled straight out of the, a Miyazaki movie that's never been made yet, and I found that really fascinating and really very striking. But then you felt like it, it entered a more conventional world when she got back to the castle again. Sure. Then it's just, you know then it's mistaken identity and and wonderful scenes with a mother as a bear trying to be dainty and in fact when uh, when um, uh, Merida and her mother flee out to the forest and there's this whole great sequence out in the forest of um, her mother trying to make breakfast 
uh, with a bunch of blueberries on dainty plates on a table in the woods. And she makes a fork out of twigs and tries to eat her blueberries with a fork, uh, even though she's a gigantic, like, 10-foot-tall bear. Um, but that whole adventure was very um, conventional and not unpleasant, but conventional in a way that I think will will annoy some Pixar fanatics, of which I count myself one. And this is something I'd, I'd love to talk to you about. Um, there's already been a little bit of a backlash against this movie because people view it as maybe a subpar Pixar movie. Did you view it that way? Well, I don't, I'm resisting the backlash. I haven't written my review yet, and I'm still sort of putting together my thoughts about it. But I'll say this. If this had been a Disney movie or DreamWorks or released by any other studio, I think it would have been hailed as a great breakthrough and one of the best kids' movies of the summer and that it was you know, transforming the way girls are represented in, in kids' movies. But because it's a Pixar movie and because our expectations have been set so high, it's like Pixar has painted themselves into a corner by being too good. you know. And I right. agree that this isn't one of my favorite Pixar movies. I think it's really lovely for what it is, and I can't wait to take my daughter to see it. But it is more conventional, and more so than the conventional con- – more so than the conventionality problem, I just think it's not quite funny enough. It doesn't have that kind of sparkling humor of the Toy Story movies or or Wally. It's it's a little bit more. It's 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 a serious fairy tale with humans as as protagonists rather than robots or toys or other kinds of creatures, and all that gives it a little bit of conventionality and sentimentality. That, like you say, I think that really hardcore Pixar aficionados are going to say, "What is this Disney crap?" However, if you have some patience for Disney crap, if you sort of like Tangled and uh, and not just Tangled, but the old classic Disney princess movies, Snow White and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, I think you can see a lot of beauty in this. Yeah, I mean, I would actually compare it much less to Tangled and much more to the old sort of classic Disney princess movies, which did have moments of humor and it sometimes even had talking animals and stuff. But like a a story like Snow White was pretty serious in the end. Um, And there wasn't that much of the sort of jokiness or silliness that Pixar does really, really well and that I sometimes missed from this movie. Yeah, it's not as antic as it could be. Even though there's a lot of chases and there's a lot of slapstick, it doesn't have that kind of antic forward movement that so many so many Pixar movies do. I think a, a place where you really see that is with the three little brothers, right? Merida has these right. three identical little redheaded brothers. They're really cute. They're really funly animated. But they don't really get to do that much except sort of be little rascals scampering around in the background. I feel like in, 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 a, in a greater Pixar movie that we would have known each of those three kids' different personalities. They would have each had sort of strange skills or proclivities that would have come in handy at the, at the climactic chase. Right. And right. they sort of would have fallen into place more as... as, as actual background characters rather than um, sort of a cute backdrop. Right. I mean, the way I sort of thought of this movie is that it's like a Pixar movie that doesn't have, that has at its heart a great story the way all Pixar movies do, but it doesn't have all the like wonderful add-ons and what I think of as like bonus features that all Pixar movies offer. Like, I mean, the great example I would say would be like WALL-E, which has, in addition to a great story at its heart and innovative storytelling and a really great main character, it has all kinds of little extra things that you just notice the second or third time through or that even catch your attention the first time, like that little scrubbing robot who follows WALL-E around everywhere cleaning up everything, um, you know, or the or – the, um, the dance and the stars that Wally and Eve do. It, Brave just doesn't have any of those little sequences or surprises that really make for an adult, at least, watching one of these movies something beyond just a great children's story into a, a real joy. That said, I do think there's a real possibility that of all the Pixar movies, 
this might be the one that for a lot of kids, girls especially, will be the one that strikes them the most, the rewards rewatching the most that will really stick in their hearts a lot. And because it is in a lot of ways, though a traditional princess story, uh, much more empowering and fascinating and deep and heartfelt one with real mom-daughter issues at its core um, that I think a lot of kids will really relate to a lot. I really want to get into the mom-daughter issues because that, that was my favorite part of the movie, I think. But let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. So the spoiler special is very happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible, as you know, is a provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the web. They have more than 100,000 titles, which you can play on any device, including whatever you're listening to us on right now. And they have a special offer for spoiler listeners. You can get a 30-day free trial and one free book by signing up here, audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. You can choose a free book from their vast library, and we always like to recommend a book, usually one that's somewhat related to the topic at hand. And so I was looking on Audible, and there's some fun offerings related to Brave, actually. First of all, I I think that we need to recommend a book read in a Scottish accent because the Scottish accents in Brave are tremendous. Yes, we didn't talk about that yet, but one of my favorite things in this movie is the voices and the voicing of the characters. Scottish accents, I now think, are my favorite accents to listen to in the world. They're so crunchy. There's so many textures in them, and every vowel is a little bit different than you expect it could possibly be. Um, Kelly McDonald in particular has just a wonderful voice. I think she does a great job with, with Merida. So so we tried audibling, if that's a verb, uh, a couple of the, the voice actors in this movie, Craig Ferguson and Billy Connolly, so you could hear a book read in their wonderful accents. And both of them have, well, one's sort of a, a biography and one's sort of an autobiography. Craig Ferguson has a book called American on Purpose, The Improbable Adventures of an Unlikely Patriot, which he reads himself, and uh, which has four and a half stars from audible listeners. People really love Craig Ferguson, and apparently he He's quite a good writer. It's not ghost-ridden. He wrote it, it is. Himself. I have, in fact, read it, and it is quite a good book. It is. It's a good book. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. So you can listen to Craig Ferguson talking about his uh, his becoming an American, or you can listen to Billy Connolly's wife <laughs> narrating a book about living with Billy Connolly, the famously <laughs> profane and sort of nutty uh, Scottish stand-up comic. He's also great to watch on YouTube. His stand-up is hilarious, when you can even understand what he's saying. So this book, fittingly for the movie Brave, is called Brave Mouth, Living with Billy Connolly. It's by Pamela Stevenson, and it's narrated by Pamela Stevenson. Is his wife Scottish, do you know? Do we get to hear her read in a Scottish accent? I don't know, but I'm willing to bet it's chock full of her impersonating his Scottish accent at the very least. This also has four and a half stars, and people seem really crazy about it. So if you're a Billy Connolly fan, or if you just like to hear crunchy Scottish accents, uh, listen to Billy Connolly talk about life with the man. And again, the way that you find those is go to audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler. Okay, back to Brave. I You mentioned before the break that, you know, the mother-daughter elements may be the things that make it watchable again and again, especially for, for girl viewers. And I'm, I'm interested to see whether that, that does prove to be the case or not. I loved the, the character of the mother and the transformation into the bear. I think that took a little bit too much of the narrative pacing-wise. There was a very mm-hmm. long portion of the movie in which the problem to be solved, the conflict was, how do I hide this bear, right? And, and then other conflicts having to do with the bear, including how do I keep my mother from permanently turning into a bear? That comes up in the maybe two-thirds of the way through the movie. The witch right. reveals that, in fact, if by the second dawn, after having been turned into a bear, she hasn't been changed back yet, she's actually going to take on the characteristics of a bear, and, and there'll be no more possibility of her being human again. And that's actually a really menacing, scary idea that I think, maybe for fear of being too frightening for young viewers, the movie didn't do that much with. But there were a couple of very scary moments where the mother 
started to transform and her wild nature started to come out and she actually starts to bare her teeth at her daughter like she's going to eat her. And given that the movie opened with, you know, her father's leg being bitten off by a bear, there were moments that I thought this is a real possibility that, you know, something frightening is going to happen. But it's all kept sort of in check. And I think that that stretch, that bear stretch of the movie with all the promise that that transformation has somehow remains too domestic and that conflict remains too constrained somehow. This movie never really goes any place as wild as you think it might possibly let itself go. Right. I mean, the the conflict is a pretty sturdy one between them. I mean, it's basically uh, Merida wants to do what she wants to do, and her mother feels she has duties and responsibilities that she needs to uh, tend to. And so part of the problem that I had with the way the story was resolved was it wasn't resolved in a particularly surprising way. You know, the, it, just as you would expect, Merida comes to appreciate that her responsibilities are important and her mother comes to appreciate her daughter's sort of wild spirit because she shows her how she can survive out in the woods and she shows that she in a way can choose things and that her heart is important. And it, that's not accomplished through any like amazing sequence or any shocking or surprising turn of events it's just through them hanging out together and getting to know each other and there's i mean there's a scene at at the beginning where they both reveal in separate conversations that are intercut with each other that they just wish that the other one would listen to her the mom wishes that merida would listen to her and merida wishes that her mom would listen to her and in the end that's how they resolve their problems is that being one of them being a bear means that she can finally listen to her daughter and I guess Merida listens to her mom being a bear. I don't know. It's not 100% clear. Yeah, I think those story beats need to be established a little bit more clearly because I was a little bit surprised at the end. There's a funny scene, and I love the slapstick in this scene, where they, she, with her mother as still as a bear, sneaks back into the castle where her father is entertaining the, the visiting tribes with all kinds of sort of primitive Scottish dances. There's all kinds of craziness going on in the in the castle. And the mother pretends to be a bear statue. Remember that? And she keeps freezing right. in different positions as if she were a taxidermied bear, of which there are several in the room anyway. That scene is great. And there's a moment that the two of them communicate via sign language, and her mother basically tells her, "You don't need to marry one of these guys. You know, you're 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 free to do as you wish." And uh, and and that's moving, but we don't know how they arrived at that point exactly. I know that the idea is that the mother's wild nature was brought out by Merida, sort of teaching her to fend for herself and and fish for fish in the lake and things like that. But there really wasn't any moment that we saw the two of them coming to that discovery. Right? Like, why exactly would her mother decide that she should in fact marry who she wants to marry? Like, there's no, I don't know. It's, I'm glad that she did, and that's nice, but that, but I don't know why her mother decided that. And so, the, I mean, the story resolves with a ticking clock and with dawn approaching, and the spell requires that um, that they mend what has been ripped apart by pride, and that and that means literally that uh, that Merida has to mend a tapestry that she had sliced apart uh, in anger and during an argument with her mother. But it means more figuratively that she has to mend the relationship with her mother, and that happens at the last moment, of course. And her mother is transformed back into a wo- into a woman, and her little brothers, who had also been transformed into adorable little bear cubs, are also transformed back into boys. That was um, something that n- nothing was done with. When the boys got transformed into bear cubs, I thought, well, this is going to somehow help. They're going to be able to translate bear language to the mother or something. The, the fact that they were transformed into bears did nothing beyond accomplish there being three cute bears at the, at the right. end. Right. That's a, in, the, in the end, that is sort of why this movie feels less Pixar-ish, is that a lot of interesting things happen, but not all of them were developed and utilized to the extent that you would expect in a Pixar movie. Pixar movies often remind me of like the old, the old 
theory of that uh, Native Americans knew how to use every part of the buffalo, right? So Pixar movies always seem to know how to use every part of the buffalo. Anything that they bring up always pays off later. You never get the sense that there's a loose end that they leave dangling. And that's one of the things as an adult that's so satisfying about those movies from a story standpoint. You know that everything that comes up is going to pay off. And in and some movie, movies like Toy Story, there are a lot of moving parts, right? There are a right. whole lot of mechanisms going on at once. This movie is much simpler in conception, which I didn't mind. It is accomplishing essentially just one story and it's not as, as busy as those as those movies. But that's all the more reason, as you say, that every part of the buffalo should get used. Right. So where do you think Merida falls on the um, – in the tradition of Disney princesses. I mean, Disney owns Pixar. Um, one thing that I'm really curious about and I have no idea is, does Merida become one of the princesses now? Will she be at princess dinners at Disney World? Will they be hiring redheaded actresses with Scottish burrs to work in Orlando? I don't know. Is she a Disney princess? That hadn't even occurred to me. I, 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 maybe there are things being hotly debated right now in, in boardrooms at Disney and Pixar about this, but it doesn't seem to me that Pixar would want to get in bed with Disney in that way, right? Right? I mean, it's a completely different aesthetic universe. Obviously, they're happy to have Disney's marketing muscle, but I can't imagine that Pixar wouldn't alienate more fans than they would gain by putting Merida dolls in the Times Square Disney store. I don't know. I mean, corporately, Disney and Pixar are the same thing, and the same man runs them both. So if something can benefit Disney, John Lasseter has a vested interest in making that happen. But I don't know either. I mean, one of the big reasons and one of the real pleasures of this movie is that unlike every other Disney princess, there is no prince. There's no prince in Brave. I mean, there are three princes who she summarily rejects, but there's no one prince. Right. It's not someday my prince will come. It's someday my prince will go away, which is exactly what happens at the end, right? The three young princes leave. And you do actually get the sense there's some implication that they are still going to try to woo her, but in their own time, and she's going to get to choose who she wants. Right. And that they're grateful for that, too. There's a funny little scene where the three princes also affirm that they – they would like to maybe choose who they fall in love with and marry as well. But yeah, but but like so as you said earlier in our discussion, if this had come out and been released by Disney, I think my response would have been this is like a revolutionary Disney princess movie. This changes everything for the way that they portray girls. This changes everything for the way that they portray princesses. I mean, I love Tangled, but – and Tangled has some great messages for girls in terms of, you know, getting what they want and and choosing the lives that they want to lead. But nevertheless, it's still a prince and they still do get married at the end. Um, and that is one of the, the – that one of the the foci of the story. But there's not there's none of that in here. It's all about rebelling against that mode. Uh, I I don't know if Merida's gonna be walking around Disney World, but I do think that there are gonna be a lot of girls who are going to want to meet her and know her. Yeah, I think my daughter's gonna be one of them. And I have to say I wish this movie well. I wish it very well. I hope that people review it well and go and see it, even if it isn't the greatest Pixar movie that's been made. I, I think that's a little bit of an unfair I think that's sort of an unfair yardstick to hold it to. Yes, they've made some great movies. They've made some of the greatest kid movies. That doesn't mean that there just can't be a really nice summer movie that we should all go see. It's better than Cars. And better than Cars, too, God knows. So, Dan, thanks a lot for coming in. And please, let's start spoiling movies again. I I love talking with you. Absolutely. Our producer is Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.